really look forward to Wednesday nights. I don't know about you, but it just seems like it's different on Wednesday nights. And if you guys can pray for my collar, that it'll stay down. It's annoying. I don't have much of a neck, and when you don't have much of a neck, every little bit that you have around you, you feel it. Like some of you people that have normal necks, you don't know how blessed you are. I don't know if you've sensed this or not, and I pray that you do, and I pray if you haven't yet that you begin to sense this, not because of what I'm saying, what I'm about to say, but that you generally develop a heart that's pursuing pursuing God, but pursuing this part of God who reveals himself as the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're, in a, we're in a very fresh season, very new season. Um, it's something that I have been praying about for years. Um, to experience the genuine power of the Holy Spirit, genuine. Now, I've been around this thing for 37 years, going to be 38 years pretty soon. And I've seen the genuine, and I've seen the put on. And, and, and there's something with us that's wrong with Christians, that I've seen many Christians go along with the put on in the past, and um, because they think, well, everybody else is doing it, so I'll do it. And uh, Brother Hagen, who was the, the founder of the Bible school that we graduated from, and many of us here in leadership, and Cardwells, you may remember this story. Um, Pastor Keith Moore, some of you watch him on television. He was one of our instructors. He told a story one time, and, and just allow me to share this. He was in the car with Brother Hagen. He was sitting... In the front seat was a driver, and Brother Hagen was sitting in the back seat. And um, they're driving along, and all of a sudden, Brother Hagen reached over, slapped Keith Moore on the shoulder, and said, Brother Keith, did you, did, you, did you sense that? Did you feel that? And he's like, for a split second, I was like, what do I say? I don't feel anything. And, you know, when you're around somebody like that who you, you feel like the Holy Spirit, like, sits nets in them all the time, you feel the pressure of saying, yeah, yeah. He said, but he wasn't going to lie. And he turned around and he said, Brother Hagin, the truth is, I didn't feel a thing. He goes, good, because it was nothing there. <laughs> but I've seen people just out of, just want to be polite. You know, somebody will say, well, the presence of the Lord is here. And, and theoretically, the presence of the Lord is always here because we're here. His presence is in us. But there's a difference between the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, and then the corporate manifested presence of the Holy Spirit. It's two different things. We're in that season right now. And again, um, this church now is going to be 25 years old this coming fall, uh, which I have no sense that it's been a quarter of a century. It's like, like last week we started, like, you know. But through the years, we've had seasons, very heavy seasons of moves of the Spirit, and manifestations of the Holy Ghost, and manifestations of the power of God. Um, it seemed like the first five, six years that this church was in existence, that was a, a regular thing to the point where sometimes it's not good because people become too familiar with it and don't recognize it when it happens. Uh, and, then, and then there were times where, yes, you know, we knew God was with us and here, but it was more of a sense of emphasis and those services on teaching. Um, and, and, and that happens like that. Like even from weekend to midweek, there can be a difference. Like on the weekend, 
there's more of a, of, a, of a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the area of teaching. Because let's face it, on the weekend, you have a lot of new people, a lot of newcomers, a lot of new believers, a lot of people that are not saved yet. The Holy Spirit knows that. You know, he knows that. So he'll manifest himself in, in a teaching anointing. But then you get a, a, a night like tonight, like on Wednesday nights. You guys are here because you want to be here. That makes all the difference in the world. You know what I'm saying? And especially that you came through this horrible weather outside. Get it? That, the Holy Spirit's a person. It's like if, if I was having a party at my house and it was a blizzard, and you still pushed through to get to my house, when you get to my house, I'd be like, man, this is a true friend. This is a, real, this is a person who really loves us. You see what I'm saying? Well, the Holy Spirit's the same way. We pushed through tonight. We made it through this horrible, raw, damp weather. We got a little bit of a tease the past couple of days. And now the winter came back again, because, you know, that's how March is, you know, crazy. So, so we pushed through. But what I'm saying to you is this, please, especially those of you that have been coming steady on Wednesday nights, don't give up on that. Keep coming on Wednesday nights, because God sees that. The Holy Ghost sees that. And he sees our hearts, and he sees the fact that we want to be here. We want to learn. It's not just, well, it's Sunday. I got to go to church so I feel better for the rest of the week. No, we're here on Wednesday nights because we really want to learn. And that's why you'll see more of an outward demonstration of the Holy Spirit on a Wednesday night than you will even see on the weekend. Does that make sense? You see what I'm saying? So um, we're going to continue tonight. I'm going to go into some things. specifically talking about the gift of the Holy Ghost, um, the initial gift of the Holy Ghost when he comes up on us, okay? And that's, that's speaking in tongues. We're going to go through some of the situations that are recorded for us in the book of Acts. And basically what you're going to see tonight is that the record is extremely clear. Every time somebody got baptized in the Holy Spirit, as it's recorded for us in the book of Acts, they spoke in tongues. Now, I was at a, I was kind of like, how can I word this? When I first got born again, nobody told me that that was controversial. I got born again in a church where you got born again, you got baptized in the Holy Spirit, sometimes at the same time, and then you got baptized in water. I thought every Christian, that was the experience because that's what I saw in the scriptures. And that's what we experienced. Got born again. Uh, I was an usher in the church that we used to be in years ago that I got saved in. And very much I would be exposed to this because, you know, when you have a prayer line, you have to have ushers. And I would be up there and I would see it. People would get born again. They'd pray the prayer of salvation. Next thing you knew, okay, we're going to lay hands on you now for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And people would get saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost. And then later on at some point in time, they would get water baptized. I didn't know it was controversial. Until I, had, until I started coming in contact with people that went to a different type of church. Like, you've heard me say this before. When I got born again, I thought the whole world was either, the whole Christian world was Catholic and born again. If you weren't Catholic, you were born again. I didn't know that there was all these Protestant denominations. I had heard somebody talk about this group of people called Baptists and stuff like that, but I had Anybody come from Baptist background? Yeah, I, I didn't know that that existed. I, I just thought, okay. Um, so it was very natural. So to have to find out later that I would have to actually be able to teach and I don't want to use the, the word defend, but to be able to show beyond the shadow of doubt in the scriptures that it is God's will 
for every Christian to be born again. I didn't know I would have to come to that point because that's all I experienced. Everybody around me was spirit-filled. Uh, everybody around me had the gift, uh, gifts of the Holy gifts uh, of the Holy Ghost operating. Um, I'll never forget the first time the gift of discerning of spirits operated in my life. I would. I was ready to freak out. I was like, what's going on here? Because the gift of discerning, discerning, seeing with the spiritual eyes into the realm of the spirit is one of the gifts that the Holy Spirit deposits in us after we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You start operating in miracles. You start operating in supernatural things. And so I was in a church service. It was a midweek service. And um, very early on, I couldn't have been saved more than about three or four months and this woman, uh, who was quite a bit older than me, who had kind of taken me under her wing as like my spiritual mom, I'm sitting next to her, like on the, the, head, the aisle was split in half. You remember how it was set up over there? It was one aisle in the middle, and you have one group of chairs on this side, one group of chairs. So I'm sitting in the back, um, like where the, that person is sitting there with the beige blouse. I'm sitting over there, and my spiritual mom's sitting next to me. Uh, yeah, right behind, like with the your man with the red coat. You're right there with the red jacket. Is that red? It's red to me. I don't know. I was like sitting like right around there, and my spiritual mom's sitting next to me. And then there's an aisle, and then about two or three rows back, there was a woman sitting on the end row. And I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to the preacher, whoever, I don't remember who it was. And all of a sudden, this woman turned around, and I didn't see her face. I saw a skeleton. And I'm like, oh, um, I don't like this. What's up with this? Um, because, you see, I had come out of a lot of occult stuff before I got saved. So nobody had to teach me that there was a dark side of the spirit realm. I was very familiar with that. So I thought to myself, my first inclination was, oh, gosh, these, they're back. I'm seeing that stuff again. So I, I nudged my spiritual mom, and I said to her, told her, she, she, just, she went like, just pray. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. Just pray. Well, I had just recently got baptized in the Spirit. Well, I didn't know anything about those kind of supernatural gifts um, at that point. Later on, she explained to me, you just experienced that supernatural manifestation of the Holy Ghost where he allows you to see into the spirit realm. Basically, what had happened was this woman at that time did not know that she had stage four cancer. And the cancer was all through her body. And what I was seeing was like a spirit of death on her, okay? And not knowing what to do and not doing anything about it. And then eventually she moved out of the area. And then we found out years later that she actually, well, not about a year and a half, two years later, that she actually did die of that cancer, okay? Um, why am I sharing that? Well, what I'm saying is that the entrance into the gifts of the spirit, which I'm not going to be able to go into tonight, but we will in the future. Actually, Margie, how many know Margie? Okay, she's going to be here next Wednesday. I've got to go to Florida to go and conduct the memorial service for my dad down there for our family that's there. So I won't be here. I'll be here this weekend, but next week I'll be down there uh, doing that other memorial service, and then I'll be back. So she's going to fill in for me next Wednesday. And so she's also going to continue on the subject of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So if you need uh, if you know somebody needs to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, bring them next week because they'll receive, okay? So, so I, again, I want to stress this because um, I almost feel like I've been negligent in this area over the years because, again, this is very natural for me. And, and you think, well, everybody else is already operating that way. But I realize that our church has changed a lot over the past eight, 
eight, five to eight years. And there are many more people that are, that are in the church now that have not yet experienced that dimension of the relationship with the Holy Spirit, okay? It's, it should be a very natural thing. Don't be like some people say, well, I, I don't know if I want that. It's got, no, it's got nothing to do whether you want it or not. Jesus wants it for you because he knows it's going to help you and it's going to make your life better. Plus, you, all right, hear this from my heart because what I'm going to say, some people might get like, eh. You're really not a threat to the enemy until you step into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, the devil doesn't care that you're going to go to heaven. He would have liked to stop it, but he can't now. You received Christ, you're going to heaven. But you just going to heaven doesn't make you a threat to him. In fact, he'd like it if you went sooner all right, to get you out of the way, okay? Um, but it's when you step into this supernatural stuff, that's when you become a threat to the kingdom of darkness because he's a supernatural being. He's a supernatural being. And you cannot fight a supernatural being on natural footing. He'll win every time. Okay? Uh, are you getting this? Some of you look at me like, okay, when are you going to actually get started with the teaching? Um, you can't fight spiritual battles from a natural standpoint. You've got to go into that realm. That's why Jesus gave us his name, gave us the power of the blood, and gave us the power of the word of God. The word of God is supernatural. The word of God is not just words on a page. They're conveyed to us that way, and we carry them around that way. But when, we, when the word of God comes out of your mouth from a heart filled with faith, it's dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. You listening to me? Yes. Uh, I feel like some of you are like resisting that thought. The word of God is, is, it brings comfort to us to just have it on the inside. But it doesn't become a weapon of warfare until it's released with our speech. How many, thank you. How many other words are powerful? Okay, when we speak in tongues, I'm getting ahead of myself here. We're releasing words, but, but pastor, I don't understand what I'm saying. That does not mean they're not words. It does not mean that they don't have significance. God understands, the Holy Ghost understands. The one who doesn't understand, there's two individuals that don't understand, you and the devil, and that's why the devil fights it so much. The devil used words in the beginning to shipwreck Adam and Eve. Jesus gave us words in order for us to be redeemed. It's all about words. Albert, uh, Jay, could you help him real quick? I know this isn't in my notes, and after this, I'll get started. Isaiah 54, 17. I know some of you have this memorized. Isaiah 54, 17. New King James is good. You get anything so far tonight? Isaiah 54, 17. <clears throat> I could say it, but I want to see it on the screen. Who's got it in their Bible so far? Who found it? Who found it? Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. And we usually stop there. But it goes on to say, and every tongue, every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, 
you shall condemn. So we're talking about a battle of words here. Because most of the time, the weapons that try to come against us are weapons of words. Somebody speaks something over your life, you're never going to amount to anything, you're no good, you never were any good, you're never going to be any good. You go to the doctor, he tells you, oh, this doesn't look good, I think. Uh, those are dangerous words. I think you may have this, or I see something I don't like. Anybody had to listen to those words ever? Just a few of us, okay. So, so now you're in a battle of words. So when those words come at you, and they're so devastating sometimes that you don't have words to respond with, to condemn that tongue, you're going to have to answer in tongues. Some of you got it. When you, Because the Holy Ghost will make sure that the words and the syllables and the sounds that you're making are lining up with the perfect will of the Father. You can't pray wrong when you pray in tongues. You can pray wrong when you pray with your own mind and you pray with natural words. You may get something wrong. You might assume a situation is something and you're praying along those lines and it may be something else completely different that you're not aware of. But when you pray in the spirit, and remember that, praying in tongues, praying in the spirit is the same thing. It's the same thing. It's praying, allowing the Holy Ghost to pray through you, through your spirit, but he's got to use your voice box. He's got to use your mouth, your tongue, okay? So you let him. It's not him. You don't stand there and go and expect, if voices are coming out, then you come up for prayer. <laughs> That's why sometimes people, when they want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they'll just stand there. Oh, oh you got to talk. Well, I don't know what to say. Well, just open your mouth and by faith, just... I remember hearing a story years ago. Some of you would have heard me tell it many years ago, and I got to meet the person, actually. Brother Hagen told the story about this woman who, who was a cocktail waitress in Las Vegas. And she got born again. And she heard about this baptism of the Holy Spirit. She wanted it really, really bad. And she was told, well, you, you got to be clean. You got to live a clean life, uh, which look, we can talk about that. But she was told, you got to live a clean life in order to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, once you're born again, you got to live a clean life. So she, in her mind, she translated it to, okay, I'm going to go take a bath. I'll be nice and clean, and then I can receive the baptism. So she sat, now this is childlike faith. She sat in the bed. I talked to her. I met her in Tulsa many, many years later after this incident. And uh, she sat in the bathtub, and she sat there, and she prayed, Lord, I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit like everybody else that I know. And she sat there, and she opened her mouth, and all she could say was, yabba, dabba, do. <laughs> She said, that's all I got was yabba, dabba, do. Because God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, okay? And she said, but when I, when I kept saying it, all of a sudden, this flood came out from within. And she said, I just took off and just speaking in tongues and praying in tongues. And she went on to become a, a pretty famous minister, powerful, powerful minister of the word of God. So let's jump in. I'm not going to review Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, suddenly, I love when God does this suddenly, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. One sat upon each of them. And they were all filled. They were all filled. They were all filled. Well, Pastor, you know the baptism of the Holy Spirit might not be for everybody. They were all filled. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and... Come on, don't be afraid to say it. Say it loud. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What is utterance? We could say ability, but utterance is when you utter, you open your mouth and make a sound. The Holy Ghost gives you that, but you got, he, he's got to use your voice box. He's got to use your tongue. He gave them utterance. This is why I don't really know if the people that heard them that day, if they actually heard, their, if the apostles were actually speaking their language or they were uttering whatever came out and the people supernaturally heard their own languages. I've heard it both ways. I happen to think because of that word utterance, see, it didn't say he gave them a language. He gave them an utterance, a yabba dabba do. And they heard whatever language they spoke, which is it's even a bigger miracle because all these languages now, the Holy Ghost is is allowing all these people to hear supernaturally. And this is the cool part. They were having, they were experiencing a manifestation of the Holy Ghost before they got it. All they did was hear. They heard supernaturally. This one's talking Latin. Another one's talking Greek. Another one's talking Arabic. Another one's talking Persian. Another one's talking whatever dialect they spoke in North Africa. There are all these people from all over the place. They said... We're hearing, oh, maybe it's the next verse. Let's go. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, from all over the Roman Empire, okay? And when the sound occurred, the sound occurred, the sound occurred, the wind, the rushing, the utterance, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. So the, now, this is the birth of the church. And the birth of the church, the church didn't come in, started off with a chant and a little Lord's Prayer. The church bursts on the scene supernaturally. And guess what? When the church leaves off the scene, it's going to be supernatural. Okay? Then they all were amazed and marveled, saying to one another, these are the people that heard them, look, are, are not all these who speak Galileans? Yeah, the answer is yes. And how is it that we hear each, here it is, in our own language in which we were born. Supernatural. Uh, skip this. Skip that. We hear them speaking in our own tongues, and they understood exactly what they were saying, the wonderful works of God. They're prophesying. They're, but they heard, God is awesome. God is wonderful. God is to be praised. Blessed be the name of the Lord in their own languages. You getting this? I've heard stories of people that God called to go on the mission field, never knew how to speak that language. As soon as they received that call and said yes to God, they wake up the next day and they speak the language of the, of the land that they're going to go to to be missionaries. What is that? A supernatural manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Now, I'm assuming that we all want to operate supernaturally. One, two, three. 
I'm assuming that we all want to operate supernaturally. Why? Because let me ask you a question. Are not the challenges, the attacks, the battles that you face, are they not supernatural? Yes. So how are you going to fight them? Go, go away, devil. Shoo. You following me? Okay. Verse, verse 13. Others mocking said they are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the 11, raised his voice. Man, I just saw that. Out of the 120, 12 of them stood up. But Peter gets to preach. Raised his voice and said to the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, Old Testament, six to 700 years before this happened. And he's going to quote the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. I'm in between dreams and visions. You didn't get that. I'm not letting go of the visions yet, but I'm starting to have some dreams. And on your men servants and on your maid servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy, speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. So we see this pattern established in the book of Acts. Those who receive the Holy Spirit, his indwelling presence, are then baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then baptized in water, or vice versa. Okay? So now let's go back to, to verse 2 again. And suddenly there came from a sound from heaven, a rushing mighty wind, filled the whole house where they were sitting, and then there appeared divided tongues as a fire, one sat upon each of them. Verse 4. Could you read it with me? Could you read it with me nice and loud? Ready? One, two, three. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this is the very first time that this is happening now. Very first time which sets a precedent. A precedent serves the purpose of detailing to you how this should happen every time it happens. You getting this? And so what do we see? The first time that baptism of the Holy Spirit falls on men and women, what do they do? They speak with tongues. They speak with tongues. All right. Okay, Pastor, well, that, that happened in the beginning, but then after that, it really didn't happen again. I don't know which Bible you... You must have pages missing. Acts chapter 8. Philip, I, I, I initially put down the apostle, but Philip is really an evangelist, and I'll show you why I say that. Philip the evangelist goes to Samaria to preach the gospel. Acts chapter 8. This is a few years after the initial baptism of the Holy Spirit falling on the church. Verse 5, then Philip went down to the city of, of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Now, do you remember other things that happened in the city of Samaria when Jesus was still on the earth? Okay, it was at Samaria that Jesus met the woman at the well. He told her, he read her, he read her mail. 
Yeah, you, you got a guy with you right now, but, and you've had five husbands, and the guy you got with you now is not your husband, okay? She goes into the village, says, hey, there's a man out here that told me everything about my life. And a whole bunch come out, and they get saved, okay? They go back into Samaria, okay? But there was another time they went to Samaria, and the people of Samaria did not receive Jesus because they knew he was on his way to Jerusalem. And there's a big, big rivalry between Jerusalem and Samaria. People of Samaria didn't like the Jews. The Jews didn't like the people of Samaria. So they disrespected him because they're like, you didn't come here to see us. You're on your way to Jerusalem. And, and what happened? James and John come up with a really great idea, a, a, a really great evangelistic project. They say to Jesus, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy this village? It's like how to win souls, 101. <laughs> So Samaria's got a history already of being influenced by Jesus. Take, some of them took a stand against Jesus. And where does God send Philip? Samaria. Watch this now. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. What do you preach? Christ. And the multitudes, multitudes, not a couple of dozen people like the woman at the well, now, multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip. Hear, watch this now. Hearing, hearing, and seeing the miracles which he did. What, what, did, they, what did they hear? And what did they see? Miracles. miracles. Okay? And that's why I tell you, Philip was an evangelist. Because an evangelist, when they speak, miracles back up their words. That's just, that's just the anointing that's on an evangelist. A, excuse me, a true evangelist. Okay? So, and here's what happened. For unclean spirits, and usually that when it's called unclean spirits, it's usually referring to uh, sexual, immoral spirits. Crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And look at verse 8. And there was great joy in that city. Great joy. Why? Because salvation is breaking out. All the, they're getting healed. They're getting delivered. Demon possessed. They're getting set free. They're getting born again. And it was great, great joy in the city, right? Yes? yes? Skip down to verse 14. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, that sent Peter and John down to them. Why? They couldn't believe that those people could get saved. They still think it's just about the Jews. They, they, they're finding it hard to believe. And Peter and John's going to go down there now and see what's going on. So, verse 15, who, when they, Peter and John, came down, prayed for them, for what reason? So, if they're praying for the Samaritans to receive the Holy Spirit, then that means that Samaritans must have already been born again, right? Because you get born again first, and then you receive what? So, look what happens. Verse 16, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. Doesn't mean they're not born again. They're born again. They received the spirit within. What they had not received yet is the spirit. Come on, guys. They only had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So here we go. Look at this. They got born again. They got baptized in water. Now look at verse 17. Then they, Peter and John, laid hands on them and they received what? Holy the Holy Spirit. Now look at verse 18. And when Simon, not Simon Peter, this is Simon the sorcerer, 
a person who was involved in the occult, saw that through the laying on of apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Now, let me ask you a question. We saw in the beginning of that chapter that when Philip went down there, he's preaching Christ, and miracles are breaking out. They heard and saw the miracles, right? So now Simon the sorcerer, a man involved in the occult, who had convinced the people of Samaria that he was somebody special. There's a lot of that going on today. That they were somebody special, okay? And what happened? This man, even though he was tied to the occult, he saw and he heard the same miracles. When they laid hands on them, he had to have observed something. Why? Because he offered money to Peter and John to say, give me this power that whoever I lay hands on, I'll see the same thing happen to them. Now, if you follow the pattern that happened in the book of Acts in chapter 2, what could we assume very, very confidently he saw happen when they laid hands on these people? They spoke in tongues. They spoke in tongues. Are you seeing this? Okay, don't, don't just say it to make me happy, okay? Simon the sorcerer, a man familiar with supernatural, observed something supernatural when Peter and John laid hands on these individuals, and he wanted to be able to do the same thing because he thought to himself, I can make some cash doing this. Because obviously that's what he had already been doing, probably taking advantage of all the people in Samaria, because that's how evil works. It's always money behind it. Always money. Turn to somebody and say, it's always money. And he may have seen the same activity that they saw on the day of Pentecost. Maybe he observed them. Somebody's dancing in joy. Somebody is, is staggering. I, I drunk. Last Wednesday night when we left here, you can ask Brian if my wife is here. She'll I couldn't walk. My wife had to drive home. You guys got it at the end of the service. I got it when I hit my office. I could feel it in my legs. We used to sing that song. I, I could feel it. I, by the time I got in my office, I was like sitting down, just sitting in the chair like this. You can get drunk in the Holy Ghost. I wish I could just turn the switch on and let everybody experience that. You can get drunk in the Holy Ghost. And, and the awesome thing about it, you don't wake up with a hangover. You're not sitting up at night trying to make deals with God. Oh, if you just get me through tonight. I'll never drink again. Hallelujah. Okay, let's go to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Peter receives a charge from the Holy Spirit. Is Tinkerbell in the room? Peter receives a command from the Holy Spirit to go and speak to a gentleman, a Roman official. Now, that's putting your life in your hands. A Roman official, a centurion, a, a man who was over 100 soldiers. Now, we find out later, God, God appears to Peter in a, in a vision, and I, I don't have time to go through that. 
And in the vision, Peter understands that God's speaking to him. Meantime, there's men coming from, from this centurion's house, knocking on Peter's door. Okay, well, actually, uh, Simon the Tanner, uh, he's staying at another man's house. The three soldiers come. They knock on the door. Hey, um, you got to come to our commander's house. His name is Cornelius. I'm just giving you some background. Peter's like, I don't know if I should do this because I'm a Jew. They're Romans. I'm going to defile myself if I go in the Gentile's house. But, but God had spoken to him clearly. Don't call anything unclean that I've called clean. Okay? And so, so Peter goes, Simon Peter goes to Cornelius' house. Um, by the way, he was Italian. And it says it right there in Scripture. He was Italian. So first people, first Gentiles, you get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Italians. Maybe God just took pity on us because we talk with our hands so much. He figured, let me give them some unusual words to go with those hand gestures. So Peter goes there. He takes with him some of the other Jewish believers from Jerusalem. They go to Cornelius' house. He welcomes them. Go read the whole story. It's an amazing, amazing story. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Peter now preaching to this whole crowd because Cornelius now had an angel visit him. The angel told him, go to such and such a place and go get Peter and tell him to come here. He's got a message for you. Cornelius had converted to Judaism. He was worshiping the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's given to the poor. He's, he's very benevolent towards the Jewish people. And so Peter comes, and he begins to preach. And Cornelius has gathered together not only soldiers, and we don't know if the whole hundred that he was over was that were actually there, but there were some soldiers, his servants and his family members. Man, there's a church right there, okay? And look what happens. While Peter was still speaking, these words, what words? What was he preaching? The gospel. The gospel. Are you going to sit? Uh, you, sit. Don't go distracting people. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. The Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. What did they hear? The word. So if the Holy Spirit fell on them, what had to have happened between the time they heard the word and the Holy Spirit falling on them. They believed in their heart what they heard from Peter. And therefore, they got saved. They got born again. Their spirits came alive unto God. And almost instantaneously, what happens? The Holy Ghost goes from in here up on every one of them in the place. How do we know that? Look what happened next. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter. In other words, the Jews that went with Peter, they're stunned. Why? Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Verse 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, in verse 47, can anyone forbid water? that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and they asked him to stay a few days. What do we have here? See what I was saying? 
Sometimes you get born again, baptized in the Holy Ghost, then water baptized. Exactly what happened. They got born again. Their hearts came alive. They believed the gospel that was preached to them. The Holy Spirit comes upon them, and then they get water baptized. Really, when you come down to it in a Christian's life, we should be experiencing all three. Being born again, obviously born again, because you can't be a Christian if you're not born again. Baptized in the Holy Ghost, baptized in water. It's not a buffet. Well, I'll take some of this. I'm not crazy about that. No, God set it up purposely for a specific reason. Are you getting this? What happened? They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Acts chapter 19, I'll give you another one. What are we talking about? We're talking about the fact that every time somebody got baptized in the Holy Spirit, in the book of Acts, they spoke with tongues. They spoke with tongues. You got it? Ready? And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, talking about near Turkey there, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, keep going, he said to them, Paul said to the disciples that were there, there is Ephesus, this is Ephesus, which eventually becomes one of the largest churches in the early church. But it started out with just a couple of people. Watch this now. He, Paul finds that there's some disciples there. Now, you're going to find out what kind of disciples they are. Watch this. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Well, of course, how are you going to receive the Holy Spirit if you don't know anything about the Holy Spirit? Next verse. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, are you catching this? Look at, no word of God is insignificant. He said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. John the Baptist. It's only one problem. John the Baptist's baptism is not the baptism of a born-again person. Next verse. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of what? Repentance. Repentance. Saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Jesus Christ. In other words, these disciples at Ephesus, they didn't even know about being born again yet. All they knew was the Messiah is coming. We have to prepare. I have to repent of my sins. I've got to be baptized for repentance because the Messiah is coming. Okay? When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. What is it? They got born again and they got water baptized. Yes or no? Next verse. And when Paul did what? Laid his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them. Come on, read it with me. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. You want another one? I'm telling you, don't let anybody, nothing that you read on the internet, try to tell you that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not for today. Don't anybody ever, don't you let anybody tell you that it only happened that one time and that was it. It is not true. It is not true. All right, so somebody could say, well, Paul got saved, but it doesn't say that he spoke in tongues. All right, let's go back there. Acts chapter 9. As he journeyed, Paul, was talking about Saul at this point, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Is anybody learning anything tonight? Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus takes it personal when his people get persecuted. And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said to him, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. 
Well, wait a minute, Pastor. Saul was persecuting the church. Well, who's the church? Jesus. I am Jesus who you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Now, I'll go through this real quick. What is a goat? A goat is a long pole with a sharp point on the end of it that a farmer would use to try to convince an ox or a mule or some animal to move. You know, they get the sharp end of it, okay? So, so listen now, listen now, listen now. For Jesus to say this to Saul means that this is not the first time that Jesus is speaking to Saul. This is the first time he's appearing to Saul because Saul hasn't been listening on the inside yet. I guarantee you, because of that statement, Jesus had been, every time he opened up the scriptures, the Holy Spirit was trying to talk to him and say, it's talking about Jesus. He's reading Isaiah. It's talking about Jesus. He's reading, he's reading Moses' writings. As Moses said, at some point in time, there's going to be one like me that's going to raise up, listen to him. Every time, I guarantee you, every time Saul sat down to read the scriptures, he's hearing on the inside. God's speaking to him. God's speaking to him. You're not getting this right. He knew something's not right. Something's not right, okay? So now Jesus has got, like, I got to appear to this guy in person, okay? So you know the story, all right? So what happens? He falls down. He can't see for a number of days. And then he says to the Lord, in verse 6, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city of Damascus where he was heading and you'll be told what to do. Now, Saul, I don't believe, saw the crucified Jesus. I believe Saul saw the resurrected Jesus. Because look at, look at, if, do I have time? Yeah. If you read the book of Revelation, the first couple of chapters, and you see how John reacted when he saw Jesus, it's like this is a whole different person that I have not seen before. John, who was with him all the time, okay? All of a sudden, Jesus appears to him, and Jesus appears to him in his majesty, in his eternal form. And he goes on to explain. He's, he's dressed as both a king and a high priest. Now, Saul would have recognized that immediately. Just think about that. This is not the crucified, helpless Jesus on the cross that appears to Saul. This is Jesus Christ in majesty with flames of fire in his eyes, hair white, glory and power radiating from him. That'll get you, that'll knock you on your butt. John said, I fell at his feet like a dead man. You getting this? So meantime, while, while Saul is sitting in the house on Straight Street, not able to see, and I don't believe that was a punishment, it was, a, it was just a manifestation, Jesus speaks to a man named Ananias and tells him to go to Saul, gives him his address. He said, there's a guy named Saul. And Ananias went, uh, what? I, I could swear you said Saul. He said, yes, yeah, Saul. You mean Saul, the guy who's coming to persecute us? The guy who's coming to arrest us and throw us in prison, you want me to go to that Saul's house? He said, we've heard about this guy. Jesus said, go to him, for I have shown him the things that he must suffer for my sake. Go read it. 
So Saul is on Straight Street, can't see, hasn't eaten for three days. Ananias is on the other side of town. And Jesus says to him, go over there. I want you to pray for him that he might receive his sight and that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? You following me? All right. We say, well, well, it doesn't say. Well, let's read verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul, Brother Saul, that took courage. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came. So, so Ananias is operating in the Holy Ghost and the, the gifts of the Spirit. Why? How does he know that Jesus appeared to Saul if Jesus hadn't spoken that to him? See what I'm saying? All right. And he said, the, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight, and he arose and was baptized. Okay? Baptized in water. He said, well, it doesn't say there that he spoke in tongues. Okay. Let's go to some of his writings years later. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Chapter 4. Okay? In 1 Corinthians chapter, I'm sorry, it's 14. 1 Corinthians 14. Paul gives extensive teaching and instruction regarding tongues in the life of a believer and how they should operate in the church. How could he give instruction about something he was completely ignorant of or contrary to or hadn't experienced it himself? Look, Because he writes in verse 18. You want to read it with me? Nice and loud. This is Paul. This is Paul. I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Verse 19, though, then he goes on to say, yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Now, he didn't say don't do it. He said do it in the proper order. If I was to get up here for the past, it's almost 50 minutes now, okay? And if I had stood here the whole time, some of you would have sat there and went, what did I come here for? To listen to this guy babble? You see what I'm saying? So he said, in church, it's better that I speak with my understanding so that I can convey the truths of the word of God. But he never said, in fact, in another place he said, do not forbid to speak in tongues. Okay? I got to finish here. I want, you to, I want you to have it settled in your heart that when you got born again, it was God's will for you to also get baptized in the Holy Ghost and to get baptized in water. I almost, I, I almost would prefer it that way, uh, if I could say it like that, because when, then you'd have revelation knowledge from the Holy Ghost when you go to get water baptized. Too many people get water baptized, they just come out wet. Some of you got that. They don't really understand what they did. They don't understand the symbolism. They don't understand, and they don't have faith to, they don't release faith that they're going to experience what Jesus wanted them to experience in baptism. So they just come because, and back in the olden days, you, you, you baptize your kids because it was an excuse for a party, okay? None, none of us knew what the heck we were doing. The priest said, bring the baby at such and such a day. You brought him pour water on his head. That was it. 
okay? Somebody said to me one time, well, you know, uh, I, don't, I shouldn't have to get baptized again. I was baptized when I was a child. I said, so was Adolf Hitler. He was baptized as a child, too. I don't think it did him too good. Okay, you, you get baptized in water because you want to identify yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's, it's not a baptism of repentance. You're already born again. It's a baptism of identification. You are identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection. And that's why we use the formula that we do of, of immersion in water. It's death, burial, resurrection. So when you, and that's why it's important for you not to do it in the shadows someplace, but to do it openly because it's supposed to be a declaration of what you believe to witnesses. Amen? If you have not yet, and we have to finish, because parents, some of you want to pick up your kids from next door. But listen to me. Pursue this experience. Release your faith. Ask God. If you want to do it this way, do it this way. If you, if you want to come up and, you know, we'll have, we'll have people up here and we can lay hands on everybody. If you want to receive the baptism that way, that's fine. But you can receive the baptism on your own too. Some, some of us don't like to be, you know, a spectacle in front of people. It's too much pressure and, you, and people get in their heads and what are people thinking and it's late and I, I want to go get a cup of coffee and all these carnal things start hitting us. So you can receive it on your own. It's, really, it's between you and God anyway. Jesus is the baptizer. And you can just receive it on your own, just by faith. Or you could have people lay hands on you. We'll be glad to do that. And, and you receive it. Because you receive it. Well, I, I don't know about it. Well, did you, when you got born again, how much of an argument did you have in your head? You believed and you received salvation. Everything in the kingdom operates the same way. Believe that the Holy Ghost is for you. Believe that it's God's will and Jesus' command for us to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes up on you. You need that power. We're living in a crazy world. Did anybody realize that? We're living in a crazy world full to overflowing with deception. It's getting to the point where you can't believe anything from anyone anymore. If I watch the news, I watch the news only to know what lies should I be coming against right now. You say, do they lie? If they're talking, they're lying. I said to somebody recently, I want to go into this because believe me, I could go into this. I watched, I flipped through three or four different news channels and every one of them was using the same phraseology, the same terminology. It, no, even if they, even if they, well, this network hates the other network and that network. But they're using the same words, the same pictures, the same reports, at the same times. Doesn't that get you angry? It's like, don't insult my intelligence. If you're going to try to trick me and deceive me, do it creatively. Don't be so, don't do it so blatantly 
Because I can picture them behind the scenes laughing like, <laughs> they're going to believe all this garbage. No, not this one doesn't believe it. Why? Because I got the spirit of truth on the inside of me. You have the spirit of truth on the inside of you. And listen to me, in this day, in this season, in this age that we're living in right now, you better be able to hear from the Holy Ghost. Your life might depend on it. You better be able to hear from the Listen, we're the only salvation for this planet. Did you not understand that? The deception is so pervasive. The only group of individuals that can really press through and slice through the darkness and slice through the lies is the church. So who do you think you are? I am part of what the Bible calls in Greek the ecclesia, the ruling, governing agency of the kingdom of God on the earth. Governments rise and fall by our prayers if we would pray. Cities would be saved if we pray. Evil will be exposed if we pray. If we don't, the rest of the world is lost. But listen, you can't be effective in that and not have the Holy Ghost active in your life. You need him. You need him. And he's waiting for you to give him permission because the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He doesn't force himself on anybody. He's waiting for you to give him permission to not just be in there, but to be up on you. Your sick relatives need you. Your unsaved neighbors, your coworkers who don't know the left hand from the right, they need you. And they need you to know the truth, and they need you to have the, op- the spirit of truth operating in you. You listening? I'm going to say this one thing, and then we're going to stop. You and I as Christians need the Holy Ghost operating in us. Even for God to be able to show us within, within Christianity who's genuine and who's not. I didn't say to judge, I said to know. I don't understand how some of these prophets every day, well, the word of the Lord came to me, word of the Lord came. In the Old Testament, they waited 20 years in between. You got some guys, oh yeah, the word for today, the word for today, the word for today. Man, you must be operating better than Jesus. Beware of those, beware of those. And the word of the Lord came to me today. Yesterday was a different word. Beware of those. Because deception is deception, and we know Jesus warned us about wolves in sheep's clothing. You better know on the inside. You better hear from God. You listening to me? Because everything that's spiritual is not from God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay, um, we're done. I'm done. If you want prayer, if you want to receive... Come on up, prayer team, come up. If you want to receive, you want hands laid on you, come on, we'll do it. If not, go home, get up, get by yourself, and go receive, and, and let it rip.